This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner, from the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, entitled, It's Our Choice. Uh, feel free to check out our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you can find archived Shabbat messages. You can also find my dad's weekly blogs that he puts up there. And uh, we also post other things like Passover that's coming up this week, dates for things like that. I uh, hope you have a wonderful Passover if you're listening to this in current time. And uh, you can also uh, subscribe to those essays that my dad writes each week if you put your email in the little email subscribe box at the bottom of the page, bottom of the homepage there. And you can also subscribe to our Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts, Apple podcast, Google Play, and the like. And as always, our music that you hear is by my buddy Evan Shaw. His website is evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. All right, well, welcome. Thank you for those that are here and those that are joining us in our up-to-date online streaming service. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, glad we're here and that we can meet. And I do think it's important during this time that, that we still try to assemble and gather and, you know, do what we can without taking unnecessary risk, obviously, and putting ourselves in danger, but somehow to not kind of I feel like we need to um, overly respond during times like this. And interestingly, I think part of what I want to look at today in, in the Word is, is kind of related to where we are, and I didn't plan this at all. So you can turn to Leviticus 26, and we're going to be working our way through it. And instead of doing what I usually do, like read the whole chapter and go through it just for the sake of continuity, I think, and just maybe saving a little bit of time. I've broken this up into sections under a, a one theme, and we're going to look at it today in our theme. And while we're looking through it, I, I want you to, to really think about us, because, well, we'll pray, and then I'll get going. So, Father, I thank you for this time to uh, be able to look at your Word, and thank you that we can gather and and such as it is, we're trying to bring glory to your name. And, and Father, I do believe that at meetings like this, the angels are in attendance. And I believe that our, our desire to meet together does bring glory to you. And I think it's a testimony to the, the unseen world around us that we are, in a very small way, taking an active, uh, active step of faith to, to obey you and to bring you honor and glory. So bless this time. It's your word that gives us life it's our, your word that's going to sustain us. Your word is everything. And uh, we can take away everything, the songs that we even sing in our services. Uh, as long as we have your word hidden in our hearts, we're going to be able to survive uh, all of that which surrounds us. So just make it live. Bless as we look at this chapter today. Uh, in Yeshua's name, amen. So 
you know, I think I want us to, to look at this chapter as we go through it in light of where we are today with this COVID disease virus thing that we're faced with. And I, I think it's a good way to monitor our reactions, our responses. And like I said, I didn't plan any of this. And actually, uh, you know, I didn't say, oh, this virus is here and now I can, you know, speak what I want to say. It just, it just, the timing was here had no idea I was going to even speak on it, and this is where I am in my reading. But I want us to ask questions like, how does any of this apply to us? Because one of the things I have noticed myself this time going through Leviticus is that it's not talking about some people way back then. It's not talking about those other bad people, those lost people, or those other bad Christians. It's talking about us, and it's talking to us. And and the thing that I found so intriguing was, if you read Leviticus, why the heck did God even need to say some of this stuff to his people? To me, it should be more or less a given that, oh yes, just tell us what to do, God, and we'll do it, versus, um, you know, tell us what to do, and then God feeling the need to just say, if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen, and I need to tell you both. You know, I just, I find it interesting, God... That we are not as obedient as we should be, and God, in essence, has to almost threaten us to be obedient. And that's just what we find in this chapter. And, and so, if you were at this time when Leviticus, when, when Moses and all this was, was being you know, spoken, what would you be thinking yourself as you are listening to this? This is what I want you to do. Place yourself back then, though we are now. You are actually there. You're actually listening to it. And how would you be thinking in your mind? How would you be reacting? How would you take this personally and make application to you? And that's what I want to try to help us to do uh, as, we, as we look at this this morning. All right, so chapter 26 of, of Leviticus, I've entitled it, it's our choice, because it's all about choices. Like Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the, uh, or Elisha, and then Joshua. Yes, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So choose you this day. It's about choices, and we all make choices every day. As soon as we wake up and the first foot hits the floor, it's all about choices, and we make choices throughout the whole day long. And for us, our choices need to be made as a reflection of the spiritual being that we are um, and, and, and the God that is ours and owns us. And we all know we, we fail and we, you know, we, we make some good choices and yay, happy for me. And we make some pretty poor choices all day long. And, and so this is about choices. And so the title is, It's Our Choice. Now for me... The th this is my own, just came out. The theme of Leviticus. Here's, here's the theme of Leviticus as I'm giving it to you. You're a mess. I'm here to help. And that's really the theme. God speaking to his people. Because if you read just chapter 20, you say, Golly, look at all this stuff that he has to warn us about not doing. And so... For me, as I'm going through it this time, it's God saying to his people, otherwise he wouldn't even have to give us this. You're a mess, I'm here to help. And that's, that's the Christian walk. We're a mess, God's going to help us. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. 
gives us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, one alongside of us to help us, the paracletos, the helper, because we need help. That's why he gave us his word as a resource to go to, because we're going to have to constantly have our course be changed and altered to keep in accordance with what he wants us to do. All right, now. So that's the theme of Leviticus. Here's how I've broken the chapter down. Verses 1 and 2 is the prelude. P-R-E-L-U-D-E. The prelude. Verses 3 through 13 is choice number 1. If you do, this is what I will do. Verses 14 through 40, uh, 39, 14 through 39 is choice number 2. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. And then verses 40 through 45, choice number three. If, on the other hand, you'd like to reconsider, and that's what those verses are about, and then verse 46 is, give it some thought. All right, so that's the breakdown for this. In, in the idea of choices, that you're a mess, I'm here to help. Prelude one and two, choice number one, three through 13. If you do, 14 through 39, choice number two. If you don't, verses 40 through 45. If you'd like to reconsider, and then verse 46, give it some thought. All right, so that's the breakdown for the chapter, and that's how we're kind of going to go through it. All right, and we're going to, I'll read the verses. Probably, I'll tell you where we are. We'll read the verses, and I'll say something or not. All right, verses 1 through 2, which is the prelude. The substructure, the subtitle for this is The Struggle for Supremacy. That's what verse 1 and 2 is. God is laying out a choice. He's telling us what to do, what not to do. And in essence, it's a struggle for supremacy. Will God be supreme in our lives? Will we be supreme in our life? What choices will we make to show really who is in supremacy. Is it God or is it me and the choices that I want to make? And that comes out in these first two verses. Here it is. Um, verse 1 is satisfaction of self. Verse 2 is or surrender to God. And verse 2 is really, these verses are really an antidote to idolatry, okay? The struggle for supremacy. One, are we going to satisfy ourselves? Ye shall make no idols, nor graven image, nor rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. So there it is, the struggle for supremacy. Who's going to be God in your life? And the fact that God even has to talk to his people about not setting up these idols just it racks my head, but of course he already knows what his people are like and the things that the potential that that lies within all each in each one of us. So it's it's a struggle for supremacy. Are you going to satisfy self? That's verse one, or are you going to surrender to God? That's verse two. If you don't want to be overtaken by the idols in your life the things that draw you away from me, you need to have a different focus. And that different focus is verse 2. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. See, it's a, it's a, a, a shift in focus. You're either going to set up your own idols and satisfy self, or you are going to 
Surrender to me and keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. These two things are a way to keep redirecting our focus away from self and onto God. That's why I think it's important we have this Shabbat meeting. Because if we don't want to stray and go our own way, Shabbat is the reset button every week for God's people. And then to reverence my sanctuary, to keep our focus on, for us, the heavenly sanctuary, all the work that Yeshua has done for us on our behalf, shedding his blood and payment for our sin. We have to come back to a grounding base if we hope to not satisfy self and we'll be able to choose to surrender to God. All right, so that's the struggle for supremacy. That's the prelude. You have a choice to make, self or Surrender to God. Now, um, choice number one. Each one of these that I'm going to give you, all three of these choices, require steps of faith. If we're going to obey, they're, they're steps of faith. And as we've been talking about, how do we get here? It's little by little by little by little. Before you know it, you're the frog in the pan. Well, God is saying you need to make some choices of faith along the way so that when you are called upon to act, you will have a firm foundation upon which you have already built to stand upon. Otherwise, you will not stand when the struggle comes. All right, so we have um, choices, 3 through 45. So the first choice, number one, this is verses 3 through 13. Let's read it, all right? We'll just go right through. Choice number one. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword, for I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. So you're sitting there and you're hearing this stuff and you're thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, sign me up. I'm good for that one. Yep, I, this is what I want. God, sign me up. I'm on, pick me, pick me. I'm on your team. I'm one of those guys that, hey, who likes this? Who would want this? Well, we all would, right? I mean, who would not want to experience what God has just talked about? But to me, the step of faith in believing all of this, well, it's all of it, 
But I love verse 7 and 8, and I just call attention to this, and then we, we, I'll give you what I have, the rest of it. But I love 7 and 8. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. So what we have is, in the next verse, the people of God have to make a choice to trust God for the impossible. And we're right here with this COVID thing. Can we trust God to protect us when it doesn't make any sense, when it's illogical, and the world is going to say, you're stupid, and other people around you are going to say, you guys are idiots. What? You really believe that your God is going to show up and five of you, verse 8, are going to chase a hundred? And a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall before, fall before you by the sword? What is that? That's faith. It takes faith to believe that God will protect you if you are obedient to him. And we've lost this in our generation. We don't know what it is to step out by faith anymore. Why? Because we have not taken steps along the way to build a foundation of strength and belief in God's word so that when the test comes, you know what? Wow, there's 10,000. We can put them to flight with just 100. How stupid is that? It is stupid. But what we have forgotten is our God reigns, He's supreme, and He will fight for us if we will but trust Him. Right? Do you understand this? This is so, so important. All right, so it says here, um, verse 3, it's, it's interesting. Three things. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. So, Walk, this is how I have it, and you can do with it what you want. Walk is our predisposition. Keep is our attitude. Do is our commitment. These are steps of faith. A predisposition to say, I'm going to believe God when it just seems stupid to do so, but His Word told me to do so. Attitude, all right? Now I'm settled on that. I'm firm on that. Not questioning it anymore. After the attitude comes a test. I'm committed I'm going to trust God that my 10 will put 100 to flight and that my 100 are going to put 10,000 to flight and he's going to take care of my enemies for me because he's told me in his word he will. You following me here? You know, I hope you're getting this. All right, now, what we have is 13 verses that say what God will do. And I'm just going to give them to you where the verses are, the I wills of God. Well, we'll yeah, we'll read them anyway. Verse 4. If, if we obey, choose to obey God, step out by faith, then I will give you rain. And then, I'm not going to read them all. Verse 6, two times. And I, and I will give peace in the land. In verse uh, middle, I will rid evil beasts. Verse 9, he says, For I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful. Verse 11, And I will set my tabernacle among you. And verse 12, and I will walk among you. So God says, in essence, if you will do this, I will do this for you. And he enumerates what he will do. And he says, you know what? You can have peace and go to bed at night and put your head on that pillow and trust that because you're obedient to me, I have your back. I'm going to take care of your enemies and you are going to have all that you need to survive. I will help your fields to produce. You will have food. You will have health. I am going to bless you because you've trusted me. That's just awesome. And that's a choice. Now, it doesn't seem like a choice, but it is a choice. Why? Because it starts with getting rid of our idols and reverencing his sanctuary. To say no to self and to surrender to his rule in our life. That's why verses 
these verses uh, one of my, 3 through 13 are difficult because sure you sign up and say, yeah, I want it. Well, what do I have to do? Get rid of self, surrender to me. Get rid of self, surrender to me. Oh, sure, that's easy. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's difficult. And it's harder than we think. All right, so that's choice number one. Basically what these verses are saying, basically God will watch over every aspect of our life. Physically, the I wills of verse 4, 6, and 9, and spiritually, the I wills of 11 and 12. God is saying, get rid of idols in your life. Get rid of self. Surrender your will to me. I am going to watch over every aspect of your life. Physically, verse 4, 6, and 9. Spiritually, verses 11 and 12. Wow! This is everything we need to live a life of faith and trust in God and allow Him to prove to us that He is this God that we read about and let the world actually see people that are willing to step out by faith and trust. And the thing that's hard is we know some people are going to be used as examples of trusting God as, no, your husbands are coming back to life. You guys, sorry, you're going to have to show your faith by living in caves and dens and wearing animal skins and having not a whole lot of food to eat. Everybody can trust when your husband's coming back from the dead in Hebrews 11. I need some of you other guys to show the world that, hey, it's not all peaches and cream. You sign up for me, you might be the guys I choose to put into the caves and the dens. All right, that's the reality of it. And that's why this choice, number one, is hard because we know God doesn't shelter us completely. All right, so that takes us to choice number two. Choice number two, verses 14 through 39. This is, if you will not. So here's the outline, and we'll just read it. Verses 14 through 15, God is saying, I'm giving you one last choice to think over the choice you make. That's verses 14 and 15. So he's laid it all out. He said, here's, here's the prelude. This is what I'm asking of you. It's a step of faith. Now, think over before you decide to agree one way or the other. That's verses 14. I'm giving you one last chance to, to think over the choice you make. Why? Verses 16 through 39. I'm assuming you're going to make the wrong choice. That's what the rest of this is. Think over what you want to do. Now I'm going to tell you the rest because I'm already assuming you're going to make the wrong choice. I'm already assuming you're going to make the wrong choice. And what's interesting is there's 13 verses in choice number one. There's 26 verses in choice number two. God twice as much Twice as much, I know verses are just man-made, but you get what I'm saying. Half, 13 verses of here's what's going to happen for the good. But he has to double up and say, if you don't, I really have to lay it out for you. I don't think you're really going to get it if I just say, hey, if you don't obey, bad things are going to happen. I really need to lay it out for you. Now remember, this is what God said he's going to do in conjunction with his people. He's not talking about the world. Okay, you got to keep this in mind. This is very important. This is what God is going to do in relation to his people if they allow themselves to gradually be the frog in the pot and not build a foundation of faith that will enable them to stand when the tests come. All right, now, uh, let's see. So that's it. Um, and, and then, uh, okay, so 14 and 15, I'm going to give you one last choice to think over 
your choice, the choice you make. 16 through 39, I'm assuming you're going to make the wrong choice. And then what you have is 13 I wills. And this is what God says in my language. Guys, your life is going to be hell. There will be hell to pay if you don't obey. And I love you enough to tell you there's consequences for your sins and the choices you make. And then the last part, before, in case I forget, the, the, the last section we're going to look at, God is saying, all right, just don't let me forget. Choices have consequences. And God doesn't take away the consequences of our choices. And he doesn't fix everything. But he does work in us spiritually and physically. But he does not necessarily take away the consequences. All right, let's read. That's later. Let's read these verses. All right, starting at verse 49. So remember, 14 and 15, I'm giving you one last chance. 16 to 39, I'm assuming you're going to make the wrong choice. And 13 I wills, your life is going to be hell. Let me tell you about it. All right, here we go. So let's just read this, okay? 14 through whatever I said, 39. All right. Now think about what we're reading. Don't drift off. Don't let the kids distract you. Don't think about how cute Isaiah is over there. And don't think about anything. I want us to think. All right. But... If ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, here we go, I, will, uh, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption and the burning ague that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart and ye shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it and I will set my face against you and ye shall be slain before your enemies they that hate you shall reign over you and ye shall flee when none pursues you. Unnecessary, unfounded fear. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary unto me, and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye be gathered together within your cities, I will send the COVID virus among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of your enemy. You won't go to congregation. You won't do what you're supposed to do. You're going to hunker down in fear and be afraid. That's my commentary there on that one. Um, except for you guys over there, and I believe you have a legitimate case. I wouldn't have come either, and that's the honest truth. All right. 
I, I would not have come. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall... Uh, see, I read that already. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, 26, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver uh, you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And you're going to eat the flesh of your sons that you've been trying to protect anyway. And the flesh of your daughters, you're going to eat them. I'm going to destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. And I'll make your cities waste where you sought refuge, and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savior of your sweet odors, odors. And I will bring the land unto desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbath, as long as it lieth desolate, and you be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbath when ye dwelt therein. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts, in the land of their enemies. <laughs> oh, that is where we are. And the sound of a leaf shake, uh, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall uh, chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were by a sword, when none pursueth. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall uh, eat you up. And... And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. God bless you. Have a good day. All right. Does anybody not see a correlation here? I think this is so powerful. And Chris, I do want you to know, I almost was going to call you and say, if it was me, I wouldn't come. So I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I wouldn't have come. Um, all right. So... Let's have, I, I, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I think we need to have a little bit of discussion here. Talk to me here. Just anything that just came out of, into your head if, if you were thinking through this. I mean, do, let me prompt you. Do you not see we're kind of there now ourselves in the land, in our captivity? We're, we're afraid. You know, a leaf shakes and we're scared half to death. We're, we're almost... You know, we almost are at the point where we can become adversarial because this Christian says we, believer says we should, this one says we shouldn't. I think it's interesting, verse 36, And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies. That's probably about, above all, really stuck out to me, that God himself will send a faintness into the hearts of his people in the land of their enemies, scared to death to speak for God, to speak for Jesus, to speak the truth of the word of God, to stand up and make a difference. We're afraid to. We're afraid to. We're afraid to. We're afraid we'll lose our job. Our friends will be the odd man out at work. 
We're afraid our family members are, are going to turn on us because we're, we're doing what we believe God would have us to do, hopefully with right spirit and attitude. We cannot let this spirit of faintness lodge into our hearts to where we just become in, unable to perform for God and live for God. All right, so enough of that unless you guys have a thought. All right, let's because I want to not. Uh, so, but here, here, and so, so that's that's choice number two. Now, choice number three, verses forty through forty-five. Um, so basically, in the way I'm saying it, if on the other hand you'd like to reconsider your choices, and with this, forty-three and forty-four, choices do have lasting consequences. So God is saying, all right. Here's, here's a good I'm going to do for you. Here's a bad for you. Now it's time to just kind of mull it over in your minds. And you need to make sure what I'm saying is what I'm saying. And that from here on out, the choices you make are your responsibilities. I've given you everything in my word to make the right choices. So if on the other hand, you're kind of thinking of hedging your bets, you might like to reconsider. And remember that choices do have consequences, even if I finally do step in to resolve the issue, there still will be consequences, and that's so important to see. All right, so 40 through 45. If they shall confess their iniquity, and I think this is really interesting, in the iniquity of their fathers, because like it or not, we are an extension of our fathers and our forefathers. And I don't want to go off crazy because I know there was a big movement, for, I don't know how recently, of, of the need to confess the sins of our fathers and forefathers. And, and, and you wouldn't be set free from the bondage of Satan if you only confessed your own sins. You have to you know, go back and confess everybody else's. I don't want to go weird with that. But I think there's the acknowledgement that we have to remember that the father you are today with your kids, you are implanting into them something of you of which they're going to carry. It, it's like the, the starter, the piece of starter bread. You know, it just keeps going and going and going. All right, so anyway, let's start again. If they shall confess their iniquity and iniquity of fathers with their trespass which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham, will I remember. These all these I wills in here. And I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them. So God's, the, the land is still going to enjoy its Sabbath, is what this is talking about here. You're still in your land's enemies. Now, while I'm dealing with you, here's what I'm going to do for the land. The land also shall be left of them, you guys, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lies desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, still out in the lands, because even because they despised my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in their lands, uh, the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of the ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt and the side of heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. So, guys, sorry, you're in the predicament. You got yourself here. You're out in that diaspora. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to do some healing, but... The land still needs its rest. I have some stuff to clean up stuff I need to do from the disaster that you left behind. So just hang tight here. 
acknowledge your sin, confess your sins, the sins of your fathers, acknowledge that you walked in defiance to me and I had to take actions in defiance against you. And this I told you all about anyway, so don't cry at me if I don't take away the consequences. These are your choices, but I'm here to heal you and to bring you back to life spiritually. So what we have is verse 42, the I wills. Then I will remember. There's, there's two of them. Then will I and I will. Verse 45, uh, 44. I will not take them away, neither will I. Neither will I. And verse 45. I will for their sakes, not to rehash it all. So this is life. Really it is. If you, this is a microcosm of life. All right. Who's going to reign? You, self, or surrender to me. If you're going to Work at getting rid of the idols in your life and work at giving yourself more and more over to me. Ah, the first 13 verses, wonderful stuff. However, I know you guys. I hate to admit it, I know you guys. And I'm going to have to be twice as long here and really lay out what the heck is going to happen because your life is going to be hell. So he spends the next 26 verses on saying, I got, have to make sure you get this. And then he comes at the end and says, all right, I've given you both scenarios. I think you need to think about it. Um, I think you need to reconsider. You need to start weighing everything that I've said. And remember, from here on out, your choices have consequences. The first 13 verses, good consequences. The second 26 verses, not so good. Everything we do is a choice. So give it some thought. Give it some thought. And one thing I, I, I want to draw our attention to, verse 32 and I will bring the land into desolation in this part here. We have to remember that our enemies are watching. 32, and I will bring the land into desolation and your enemies which dwell therein are going to look at this and say, what the heck is wrong with those people? It couldn't have been any more plain. We sat and listened to their God tell them all this stuff. If that's how it really worked out. We would have made the right choice. I mean, I think sometimes lost people are wiser than we are, and they're saying, without any faith in our God, because they know the realm of the spiritual world, because Satan is their God, and they know how real that powerful it is, and they know God is supreme, and the lost people have enough choice of wisdom to say, you know what, <laughs> maybe I don't want to go down with these guys, you know? So... That's basically my message. Yes, yeah, not a feel-good one, but for me it is a feel-good message because it makes me reevaluate myself, have to look at the, 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 the sin in my life now, which just seems at times to overwhelm me, but to realize that God is there, He's along with us, He's working with us, His Holy Spirit's within us, He's given us His Word. And folks, we have choices to make. And... Everything we read is not for the bad Jews. It's not for the bad unsaved people. It's for us. Paul said the things that are written for time are written for you, that you will be admonished by those things because that is you. And just because we dress up and look real good and we're messianic Hebrew people now and we say the Shema and we meet on the Sabbath and... 
Oh, I thank God that I am not like they are because I do the Sabbath and I say the Shema and I meet here and I eat the vegetables. No, folks. If anything, this stuff should be showing us how we don't want to be in the land anymore, in the land of our enemies. We want to go home. We want to go home. Let's pray. So, Father, that's it. Pull it together. I just was so blessed by this for myself. And though it all sounds so negative and I spit and yell and snort, it's, this is all good stuff. This is positive. This is healing stuff. I mean, sometimes you have to put the, the antiseptic in the wound and it hurts if there's going to be any healing. And we have to actually look at the wound and say, yeah, it really is a wound. And uh, I need help. And so, Father, I thank you for Yeshua, our Savior, who took upon us our sin. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Thank you for that healing. Oh, Father, just help us every day to realize we have choices to be made. And help us to choose us this day whom we will serve. Whether the idols and the way our forefathers lived, or we're going to choose to remember the Sabbath and to focus on your sanctuary. To be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, who for the joy that was set down before him, ah, did it all for us. We, we love you, Father. We love you, Yeshua. Work in our hearts. Amen. <laughs>